0: On today's podcast, we're going to talk about tongue ties. This is also referred to as ankyloglossia in the medical community. And I think this is probably something maybe our listeners might not even know what it is, or at least it's changed a lot, the information surrounding it, since you were in training. So I'm curious what you learned about tongue ties when you were in your pediatrics residency.
1: Well, remember, that was a long time ago. That was last century. So, (laughs) and. At that time, the way I remember it is like anybody who had who had this condition. The snipping was really common back then, and it's 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 really changed, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely still see treatment, which we're going to talk about. But um, I think there's been a lot of research that has looked into this condition, and um, people are are thinking about it a little differently. So, what is a tongue tie? People might be thinking. Well, a tongue tie is when there's a tether of fibrous tissue, which we refer to as a frenulum, that tightly attaches the tip of the tongue to the floor of the mouth. So like when the child lifts up their tongue or tries to lift up their tongue, you'll see this like little band of tissue.
1: And so this can affect the movement of the tongue, can limit the movement of the tongue.
0: And it's pretty common. It occurs somewhere between 1-10% to 10% of newborns. It seems to occur a little bit more frequently in boys. And there does seem to be a genetic component. So the kid will be born and the the dad or mom will be like, oh, I had that when I was a baby too.
1: So how do babies with a tongue tie typically present to the doctor's office or to their parents?
0: So sometimes it's right after they're born. It's obvious, right? The, the baby cries and you notice this little heart-shaped tongue because the frenulum is, is sort of like creating a divot in the tip of the tongue. Those are the more obvious ones. Um, they might notice that their newborn cannot like protrude or stick out their tongue past the lower lip or have difficulty elevating the tongue. But other babies might not come to attention right away. And in my practice, sometimes it's not noticed until we notice that there's difficulty with breastfeeding.
1: So tongue ties can impact breastfeeding and does it affect like the latching or the suck or what what part of that?
0: Yeah, so definitely depending on the severity, it can impact breastfeeding. And that's the most well-documented complication of tongue tie is challenges with breastfeeding. Importantly, um, many infants with a tongue tie breastfeed just totally fine. And so it might not impact every child. And when a baby is born, I try to tell parents that, that like we shouldn't place our, you know, preconceived ideas onto the child because they might be great breastfeeders. Um, But they do tend to have more difficulty latching at the breast. And then because their tongue can't elevate, they can't um, effectively transfer milk as well. And so a lot of these moms with infants with tongue tie will have a lot of nipple pain and skin breakdown because of that shallow latch.
1: So let's say there's a baby who has tongue tie and they're breastfeeding really well but in these cases, parents might still be concerned that the tongue tie could lead to issues with speech down the road. Is there any evidence to show that tongue tie causes speech delay? Because we know the tongue is really important in terms of
0: making sounds, enunciating. Right. Yeah. So there's actually no evidence that tongue tie is associated with speech delay. There have been some evidence that suggests that it could um, lead to some articulation difficulties, especially with sounds that require movement of your tongue up and down in your mouth. So think about the t, d, z, s. <laughs> so a lot of ta- a lot of sounds that require your tongue to move up and down.
1: So does that lead to like a lisp? Or
0: um, I I think that it, it it can, and it also just like. The clarity of the sound is not as much. If it's a mild tongue tie, as the child uses their tongue more, it's going to stretch that frenulum and improve movement. So it's something that, that might just get better as they get older, even without intervention.
1: But tongue tie can also impact normal oral tasks later in life. Right.
0: So, I mean, what are you referring to as normal world?
1: So, like licking an ice cream cone, right? You got to really stick your tongue out there for that. Or playing the saxophone or the flute or kissing or there's like a whole (laughs) bunch of stuff we do with our tongues, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, ice cream cones are extremely important for kids, for sure.
1: They really are important, right?
0: (laughs) You know, the Internet these days is like a black hole of information and misinformation. So a lot of parents come to me with information that they have heard about things that tongue tie can lead to. So they'll come in and asking, like, is it correlated with increased reflux symptoms in babies or colic, extreme fussiness, or even things like ADHD down the line or palate and dental issues? And so I did kind of a deeper dive for this episode. Um, I was able to find one study that reported a slight improvement in like GI distress symptoms. So like gas, bloating in newborns for infants that have that tongue tie. And it seems to improve slightly if they underwent correction. And you might think of that maybe they're like swallowing more air because the suck is harder. Or, you know, I think I can wrap my head around why that might happen. But otherwise, there's really no convincing evidence for any of the other above issues. Um, and and of course, like everything, we can look at this over time and it may change. But um, I would say that aside from the things that we've discussed, there's no other big complications.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's good. good to know.
0: Mm -hmm. So now that we've talked about the evidence for the impacts of tongue tie, let's talk about treatment options.
1: Okay, so that would involve cutting the lingual frenulum, and this can be a quick procedure, and this is called a frenectomy or frenotomy or frenulectomy.
0: (laughs) I know, I never know actually what to refer to it as. But this can be done with sterile scissors or a laser. People who perform these procedures are usually going to be medical doctors or dentists.
1: Yeah, not everybody has a laser. So personally, I, I don't own a laser myself. i just, just, just saying. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think there's some like ear, nose and throat offices that probably have them. And then the dental offices are are usually my patients who have gotten that procedure done, have gotten it done at a dental office.
1: And if this is done in the newborn period, usually you don't need any anesthesia, Some will use a topical numbing solution or some sugar water, which we know can decrease pain. And the younger the child, the faster it it heals typically.
0: We talked about that the laser is typically the treatment performed by the dental offices. But actually, the scissor release with the sterile scissors is what is preferred by the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, which is like the overarching medical organization that supports breastfeeding.
1: So like any procedures, you know, complications may occur, and so it could bleed, there could be pain, infection may occur, or there could be scarring, and there's a slight risk of damaging a a salivary duct.
0: Like anything, right, is this procedure going to actually improve the symptoms of tongue tie?
1: So there's one respected review article that looked into this from the breastfeeding standpoint, and it showed that phrenotomy reduced breastfeeding mother's nipple pain in the short term, but there was no consistent positive effect on infant breastfeeding duration.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so our reviewer of this episode did want us to point out that duration of breastfeeding is really, really hard to <laughs> study. And she noted that nipple pain is actually the most common reason for early breastfeeding cessation. And so even this outcome is really important. Um, so what I tell my parents in the office when I'm talking to them about this is that if breastfeeding is a big goal for the mother, and, you know, we've talked about the benefits of breast milk, it's amazing, um, and you can still get those benefits if you're pumping and giving express breast milk, but the bond is is great, and, and there are obviously benefits to mom for and baby for breastfeeding – so if, if that is her goal and significant pain is limiting her ability to do that and the child has a significant tongue tie, it's a pretty low risk procedure and it might be worth a shot for trying it.
1: After the tie is clipped, there'll be a small diamond-shaped wound and as it heals, the tissue in that area may look white to light yellow and that's granulation tissue basically scarring down and this is normal and it typically heals within two weeks.
0: Some parents may hear that they should do like some home stretches as it's healing to prevent reattachment and strengthen the tongue movement. In the most recent Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine position statement on this, those stretches are not really recommended. It, it can cause more discomfort. It's annoying for parents and it doesn't really help. So I would say those are not necessary.
1: For mild pain, you can treat with a dose of infant acetaminophen or Tylenol, and remember that we don't give ibuprofen for babies under six months of age.
0: And most babies will feed right away after the procedure, and some don't need any meds at all.
1: Now, we talked about traditional tongue ties, where the frenulum under the tongue is tethering the tongue down, but how about all those other ties (laughs)
0: And maybe you don't even know about all of these ties. Like, it's really exploded over the years where people will talk about, like, an upper lip tie or a gum tie or a posterior tongue tie, cheek ties. And Mira definitely had the upper lip tie, right, where the frenulum is just a little... Thicker and attaches onto the teeth. So I did like a real deep dive when she had that to see if it would cause like a gap in her tooth or issues with this. And really, most of those are fine. And all it did for her was create like a little suck blister that didn't cause her any pain or anything.
1: So, in our professional opinion, the other types of tongue or lip ties have little or no data that supports an association with any kind of clinical issues. More research is needed before we would recommend any treatment for these.
0: So that wraps up today's episode on tongue ties or ankyloglossia. We would like to thank Dr. Adrian Hoyt Austin, a general pediatrician, certified lactation consultant, and breastfeeding medicine specialist at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode. Let's summarize the main points.
1: Tongue tie or ankyloglossia is when there's a thick frenulum that prevents full elevation and movement of the tongue.
0: The most common issue associated with tongue ties in the newborn period is breastfeeding challenges and nipple pain in the mother.
1: But we don't want to minimize the impact of not being able to lick an ice cream cone or other normal oral tasks either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, At times, a procedure called a frenulectomy is performed by clipping with sterile scissors or using a laser to the area under the
1: tongue. While studies have shown an improvement in pain associated with breastfeeding, the data around any other benefits is is lacking at this point.
0: In the end, like many things in medicine and in the world of parenting in general, it's an individual decision that should be based on your goals in collaboration with your pediatrician and lactation support team.
1: And that reminds me of a tongue joke. I I couldn't find a (laughs) tongue-tied joke.
0: Okay, we'll take it.
1: What do you call a couple of tongues that are best friends? what taste buds <laughs>
0: <laughs> pretty good pretty good
1: that wraps up this episode of kids considered
0: you can find more information on our website kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu.
1: follow us on twitter at kids considered
0: and instagram at kids considered
1: if you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future we would love to hear from you
0: Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388.
1: Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com.
0: Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening and we hope you will join us for our next podcast.
0: Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.